You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Once again, for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, your trusty, trusty if not talented host of the program. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Get those Christmas orders in today, 205 Seven five two zero two one one, or you can just swing by there. Never know who you might see. You want to go star watch a little bit? Maybe Peterbrook Chocolatier is the place you ought to be. I'm hearing there was a heavyweight champ of note in the store yesterday. Yeah, just saying. Everybody loves Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by the executive producer of SFS, Mr. Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the sixty bit of There we go, a sports talk radio. Jacob, how you doing on this Tuesday morning? I am frantic on this side of the board because I had to change up the way I do your show, and now my brain is just not <laughs> not cooperating with it. <laughs> Leave it to Southern Fried Sports, right? To throw the old circle change, to throw the old screwball, the wrench in the plans. You know, that's what we do here on Southern Fried Sports. We're glad, though, that we have Jacob. He can make just about anything happen. He is a radio handyman, if there ever was one. He's a utility guy. You know, he can work the board. He can produce. He can host. Uh, he can handle the technical issues. Thank goodness for Jacob Harrison. We'd love to hear from you, by the way, on this Tuesday morning at 205-342-9904. If you'd like to check in with us, you are more than welcome to do so. We will talk SEC extensively. With Brent Beard, we'll talk coaching situations around the league with Brent, some scenarios there. I'll run at him my three SEC teams in the CFP scenario, get his thoughts on that. So we look forward to catching up with Brent a little bit later in the show. But until then, 205-342-9904. Man, it was one of those early starts. One of those early starts today. We officially wound down our Thanksgiving holiday it's kind of official today because I took the oldest to the airport. He's going back to Montana. He is en route as we speak. How about that 7 a.m. flight out of Shuttlesworth when you live in Tuscaloosa? Isn't that fun? Huh? Yeah. So 4.30, wake up to get the oldest over there. And uh, we made it. We made it. But uh, I, may or, I may or may not have already taken nap number one on the day. And it is 11.03. And I say nap number one because there may very well be another one coming at some point this afternoon. But we've got our energy. We're sort of uplifted by the uh, brief siesta, I guess you could call it. And almost fell asleep last night a little early because I was watching Alabama men's basketball. Well, you talk about the cure for insomnia. That was Alabama men's hoops last night, wasn't it? Oof. Look, I'm not surprised Stanford won the game, but to win it in a manner in which it did, and that's a solid Stanford team, okay? Return some veteran leadership. Zaire Williams is as billed as a five-star freshman. I talked with Gary Harris about this 
in the previous half hour on his program, doing my weekly hit there with Gary. Uh, if you're Nate Oates, either last night or today, and you've got some talented players that are sort of new to the team or new to your program, I make sure they see what Zaire Williams looks like last night. Zaire Williams looked like a lottery pick. So if you're kind of wondering where you're at in your development, or maybe you think you're a little ahead, or maybe you think your minutes aren't right, or maybe you should be starting, or some of these other things. And I show it to everybody, too. I show it to my veterans. You know, I've got some veterans that think they're NBA ready right now. I've got some veterans that had to make some decisions on the NBA draft this last offseason. Well, guys, this is what top 10 pick looks like. This is what we looked like last night. Pick it up. How about that? Boy, and Alabama continues to struggle from beyond the three-point arc. As we know, big part of the identity of this program under Nate Oates. Now through two games, Alabama 14 of 60 from three. They needed those hard hats last night. You know, those uh, blue-collar hard hats. They needed them because all those bricks that were falling from the ceiling of the arena there in Asheville, North Carolina. Tough, tough night. Look, I felt all along going into this event, Alabama would win two of three some way, somehow. Maybe I was thinking that Alabama would beat Stanford, lose to North Carolina, win the consolation game, get out of there. I still think that'll be the case. This is a UNLV team tonight that Alabama will see. No Armand Gilliam, if you're wondering, on this UNLV team. No Larry Johnson. No Stacey Augman. No Greg Anthony. No Anderson Hutt. I guess I'm kind of showing my age there, talking about UNLV basketball from the late 80s into 1990. That 1990 UNLV team, the way it finished that season, still as dominant a performance as I've ever seen in college basketball. Didn't just close out that tournament in 90. I believe I'm correct on that. 90-91. Yeah. Because that was the year... Uh, Alabama would have seen UNLV in the West Regional Final out in California had it not been upset by Loyola Marymount. And I'm thankful for Alabama that it didn't see that UNLV team because that UNLV team was rolling everybody. It rolled through the remainder of that tournament, rolled Duke by like 30 in the national championship game out in Denver that year. And that was Larry Johnson. That was Stacey Augman. That was a scandalous era of basketball under Jerry Tarkanian, the late, great Jerry Tarkanian. Uh, they had some uh, nefarious sort of connections out there in the desert, did UNLV basketball, and it ultimately came to light. But Alabama UNLV tonight need to bounce back. Probably a good thing after a performance like that to be able to get right back on the floor the next night. And I think the players are thankful because could you imagine what a practice would be like? You'd much rather, if you're a player after a game like that, you'd much rather have a game today than a practice. Because I'm guessing the practice might be a lot of effort drills. You know what I'm saying? Those effort drills typically aren't a lot of fun. Those effort drills typically reveal what you had for breakfast, if you get my drift. So uh, fortunate on a couple of different levels, I think, for Alabama men's hoops. Uh, as it gets ready for the running rebels of UNLV tonight, two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. We do have Alabama LSU week. Is this going to be the most sort of under the radar Alabama LSU week in say like twenty years? I mean, when you go back to Nick Saban's arrival at Alabama in two thousand seven, pretty much every year, it's a it's it's been a big deal, you know. Um. Starting with 2007, Saban's first go at his old employer right here in Tuscaloosa, one of the most electric environments still that I have ever been a part of. I was on the field level for that 2007 game, and when Javier Arenas ran back the punt there in the second half for a touchdown, and given that the stadium at that point really wasn't close to 100,000 capacity like it is now, it was amazing, the reaction couple of reactions in the last, in this century, I guess you could say. Tyrone Prothrow on a deep ball against Florida to start that game in 2005 here in Tuscaloosa. The fans, 
the crowd noise took the top off. Well, there's not a top on Bryant Denny Stadium, but if there were, it would have taken the top off. Uh, Javier Arenas punt return against LSU here in 2007. Two years later in Tuscaloosa, LSU involved once again. Julio Jones on the smoke screen that he turned into the 70-plus yard touchdown really helped Alabama get over the hump in that one. I mean, that's what we're talking about in terms of all-timers. And a lot of these have involved LSU, but uh, it's a game that obviously the Alabama players, you know they want to play it, especially after LSU essentially, as I said to Gary Harris on his show, I mean, they essentially had uh, a Mardi Gras parade. You know, there were floats and everything I saw going across the field at Bryant-Denny Stadium. They partied in Tuscaloosa in the aftermath. And you get it. First LSU win in the series since 2011 in the regular season. Of course, Alabama came back, avenged that loss. My boy, Alabama would have, would have loved to have had that type of turnaround. But I think that LSU team last year was only getting better, unfortunately. And I think there's some similarities when you talk about 2019 LSU and 2020 Alabama. And when I say that, most people look to the offensive side of the ball naturally. You look at the numbers Mac Jones putting up. You look at what Joe Burrow did last year, the explosiveness, the big play capability of this Alabama offense. Um, but I think defensively, Alabama is starting to resemble 2019 LSU in that that LSU defense, even with all those NFL picks, it struggled a lot last year. And when it mattered, though, down the stretch of 2019, that's when you saw that LSU defense start to play to its potential. And so if you're an Alabama fan, you certainly hope that's the case, and that's what you've seen over the last four games or so with an emphasis on last Saturday against Auburn. I thought that was a validation-type game in terms of what Alabama appeared to be building towards statistically in the three previous games. That looked like a really good defense you didn't walk away from it like you did even the Kentucky game look at the stat sheet and goes yeah you know give up three points to Kentucky that's nice uh but there were still some things in terms of the eye test especially early in that Kentucky game that didn't have you quite all in in terms of the statistical improvement well you saw it I thought I thought it was it passed the eye test the performance Against Auburn, and look, yeah, I, I know Auburn drove it ninety-six yards there in the in what the the fourth quarter. Look, you know, if Auburn wants to go on a twelve-play drive when you're up forty-two to six, have at it, right? But when the game was on the line, I thought the Alabama defense was really, really good. Going to head to a break. We come back. We'll check in with Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. We'll go around the Southeastern Conference with Brent when Southern Fried Sports returns on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A bright, sunny afternoon. The high today at 49. Cold again tonight. Clear with a low at 27. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high at 59. Then for Thursday, becoming mostly cloudy. A chance of some scattered light rain during the day. The high 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL here with you. Each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And at Tuesdays at this time, we head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio. I want to check in with our great friend, Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. No shortage of topics <laughs> for Brent Beard on this crisp, cool Brent. Beautiful Tuesday morning up here. It's winter. 
It's a late fall winter we've got here in Tuscaloosa. Well, it's winter here, uh, for frankly, and I'll be honest with you, Trav, it's welcome. Uh, but I'm I'm glad to see it. I know a lot of people are bundled up, and it's sweaters and boots weather around here, to say the least. But still, uh, it's a refreshing change, and, and listen, no doubt, a, a an interesting weekend that, that we just had. Uh, and look, that, there are several very important games in the league coming up Saturday. And we talk about the weather. It's going to be really different with on-campus games really? in the month of December, right? That's I right. Mean, oh, yeah. The next three weekends, including December mm-hmm. the 19th, mm-hmm. you're going to have on-campus games. So from a weather perspective, who knows the the vantage points we might get uh, from that perspective. But you're right. It, was a, it wasn't a particularly exciting weekend in our rearview mirror, but certainly impactful as far as the league races go, the division races go, I think we're to the point where we can all but call it in an election yeah. year that this right. is Alabama and Florida, anticipated to be in Atlanta in a few weekends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about it. I, I mean, you still got uh, teams with a lot to do in both Florida and Alabama can basically clinch this weekend. You've also got uh, a Texas A&M team. Uh, that's not going to win the division, but they're on the outside looking in as a possible uh, playoff team. They're certainly not going to get there from their offense (laughs) from what we saw last week, but uh, no question. Uh, It's still uh, a, a a lot at stake, frankly. And, and, and Trav, even that to me, even that Arkansas, Missouri game, uh, uh, people may snicker at this, but to me, that's kind of the game for uh, the uh, uh, the SEC Coach of the Year, or, or at least the SEC First Year Coach of the Year, right? <laughs> and it's a couple of teams who Alabama may end up with wins against that are going to look a lot better no doubt. than we ever would have thought back in the preseason. Missouri on a really nice streak under Eli Drinkwitz. That win from the season opener looks better and better, it seems like, with every week. And you're right about Arkansas, but... You talked about Texas A&M, and I threw this out here yesterday, threw it out there yesterday. You know, with this Ohio State situation in the Big Ten, this could be another pathway for A&M to make its way to the playoff. I outlined a scenario yesterday. If Notre Dame beats Clemson and Ohio State plays only five or six games, right? meanwhile, A&M goes 9-1, and one, even if Florida beats Alabama – Three SEC teams in the college football playoff right there. Three one-loss SEC teams, Brent, I give you, in a four-team college football playoff. How do you think that would go over, Brent? Uh, well, I think they might be uh, riding in the streets <laughs> of a different kind. Lead uh, balloon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely with that. But, but, uh, but Trev, I'll tell you, uh, in mentioning a, in two in mentioning A&M, they talk a lot about that eye test. Uh, at that point and how important uh, that that's going to be at this point. Uh, the eye test looks pretty good for that A&M defense. Trav, that offense is another story, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Kellen Mond, what was it, 11 of 34 Saturday yes. night? What yes. in the world is yeah. that? 105, uh, y'all. Yes. Mike Elko, though, he's earning that paycheck now. He, we've gotten around to the point of Mike Elko, the defensive coordinator for A&M, he has very much earned that $2 million plus uh, this year. And all this being said, because of what we just talked about with Kellen Mond, my trustometer for the Aggies <laughs> continues to be very low as they head yeah. to Auburn this Saturday, Brent. I'm not expecting anything out of Texas A&M on Saturday. Or, or may I put it another way, Travel, when anything A&M does surprises you Saturday. Uh, <laughs> this is another one, too, that Gus wins to just cement his yeah. status. Yeah. You know, this, is yeah. a, this is a Gus special coming up on Saturday down on the plains. And, and Trav, could it be a Jimbo special? Exactly. That, yeah. Knowing that with all this stuff at stake, that they come out uh, and just absolutely lay an egg. Uh, I mean, their defense is either one, two, or three in every category in the SEC. Uh, and as you know, Trav, the last time they were there in, in 2018, they have a 10-point lead and blow it. Last year, they were never really yeah, Jimbo's in got Mond throwing the ball around, you know, in the second yeah. half with a 10-point lead <laughs> two years ago. Yeah, infamously. Yeah, I mean, all the stars are aligning, are misaligning. They are. 
for this yeah. one on Saturday. We'll see. We'll see. Um, boy, you talk about a game that it, it isn't the the impact on even the divisional right. uh, aspect of things, let alone the national scene like it typically is. But Alabama at LSU Saturday night, and the bad news continued for the Tigers on the heels of that aforementioned loss to A&M as Terrace Marshall Jr., the outstanding wide receiver, opts out for the remainder of the season What's your expectation of this game? Do you think it's going to be similar to maybe Alabama-Auburn? Do you think it could be even more of a bloodbath uh, for the Tigers at home than it was for Auburn on the road, Brent, possibly? Uh, uh, From what I hear, and I'm curious if you do the same, that they want to beat LSU worse than they do Auburn this year. Uh, uh, And and again, uh, listen, a, a, a motivated really motivated Alabama team would, would be something to behold uh, in that situation, especially the, uh, uh, the, the players from the state of Louisiana uh, at that point too. But, but look, I mean, who's going to be quarterback for LSU? Is that going to be Finley or is that going to be Johnson uh, there? Uh, the, the beat writers LSU right now will tell you their offensive line is really struggling which is one of the reasons that, that they really can't do much at all. Uh, and and I guess to show you that it's 2020, Bo Pelini's defense actually showed up last week, frankly holding uh, Isaiah Spiller to 3.4 yards of carry, and, and we've already gone over Mon's stats uh, at that point too. So, uh, no, I, I, I think this is a bloodbath. It's probably over uh, at halftime. Uh, in a situation like that. And, and Trav, in the Auburn-Alabama game, um, uh, obviously Auburn has 80 plays, Bama 53. I think that may be reversed in the LSU game. Uh, and and uh, I think the important thing for the LSU game for Bama would be, without taking too much for granted, uh, is that these younger players, as you've mentioned in your writings as of late, uh, that they get a lot more chance to play in a game like this. Yeah, another opportunity perhaps on the road to get a lot of those young folks uh, some extensive action as this game moves along. I mean, that's where we're at. I actually got a question here in the last day or so. How much do you think the starters play against LSU Saturday? Yeah. I mean, think about that question yeah, for a minute. Right, I mean, we're talking right. about a team coming off a 15-0 and national championship season for all time, and it's a, it's a legitimate question, I think. I it think is. it's one that can certainly prove to be uh, – uh, applicable to this game. Exactly how long does Alabama's frontier players uh, go in this one? I, I think in the perfect scenario, Alabama would get its just desserts. I guess a lot of Alabama people would say anyway, especially after the post-game annex here in Tuscaloosa yeah. last year, and do what a lot of people think it's going to do to LSU Saturday night, uh, but then also get that bye week on the 12th that it's not going to get now we're I guess Brent we're going to find out more about that weekend of the 12th here at the end of the week from a TV and game time perspective uh, on Friday I understand it's when the league is supposed to announce that and look for Trav for Bama people may have thought this at the beginning of the year but that Arkansas game is no layover uh, but by, by any stretch by any stretch of imagination or layup uh, as good as they have been uh, but but Trav I think uh, I, I think if I may, uh, just a quick word about LSU. Um, uh, do you think O is learning, Trav, how hard it is to repeat and how hard it is to keep this team together uh, at, at this point, and, which really amazes me the job that Nick Saban continues to do? Now, I've heard probably like you have, they've had a lot of internal strife the entire year, and I think it's shown on the players leaving. Uh, I mean, Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver, Lee, I, I mean, I mean, can you imagine telling Coach Bryant years ago that you wanted out at game eight uh, in a situation like that? So uh, I think I think Arkansas is going to be tough. It's going to be interesting to see what they do uh, with, with the schedule. And my question to you is, Trav, uh, does LSU really want to play Alabama and Florida at the end of the year? No, no, but CBS does. Uh, absolutely. CBS and ESPN no want to play, so that's where we're at. And, you know, <laughs> I think I talked about this in the last couple of days. I think where it benefits Alabama 
to play the game on the 12th, you don't like yeah. playing back-to-back right. road games before right. you go to Atlanta, is that you keep your infrastructure in place in terms of COVID. You keep everybody together instead of having an off weekend and, you know, everybody goes where they might go. Uh, and you also have some guys like Devontae Smith and Najee Harris that are chasing some records. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Of particular notes. So you like those guys to get those extra opportunities. That being said, I'm guessing – if Alabama finds itself in a position of a commanding lead this week and even the following week, uh, it's going to be two and a half, three quarters for those guys to get the numbers that they're uh, looking at. And uh, then it's going to be more of the backups. Uh, you would hope for Alabama's sake in those games. Talking with Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News as we go around the Southeastern Conference uh, with Brent. So we know the coaching situation to this point. Derek Mason out at Vanderbilt. Will Muschamp out at South Carolina. Is that the extent of it, Brent? Or is there going to be a perhaps a change in Knoxville? Uh, is O looking at maybe a Gene Chizik type situation yeah. where, you know, maybe not necessarily at a year after winning a national championship, but perhaps that he goes into next year? Uh, with some warmth underneath his bottom. How, how do you survey the coaching landscape in the league right now? Uh, well, I think, oh, at this point, probably has to do something with, with his assistants. Uh, I'm I'm just wondering at some point if he does something, Trav, with Ensminger. Uh, and and you've got to believe that Bo Pelini situation, uh, particularly if Alabama boat races them, uh, and Florida does too, that, that Pelini may be looking for a job at the end of the year. Uh, I still think that Jeremy Pruitt gets another year unless Fulmer ends up, and again, this is all Fulmer here, unless Fulmer ends up in a situation with a coach that he can't turn down in order to get him in. But, but the thing is, uh, if they fire Pruitt, they're going to continue to have, um, uh, a situation where they're changing coaches in that turnstile up there, uh, about every three years. But if they get, if they really lose to Florida badly and in the, the rest of the year in a bad note, he may not have a choice. Uh, I mean, and, and look, Trev, I don't rule this out either, uh, although, although I don't think he's going anywhere in, uh, for this year. But if A&M lays it on Auburn and Mississippi State does the same thing, could there be enough money that would be raised? But I don't think they've got the big money people 20 there. 20-plus like million. To, that's 20 a lot plus of million for Gus. And... I think there's a lot of beat rider talk already that next year they they will have the team to compete for an SEC championship uh, at this point. And, and, and the thing that we've seen this morning is there's a lot of Shane Beamer talk to South Carolina. Trav, I'm sorry, but that to me, that, that, that moves no needles no, for me no, at it, all. Unless unless he's come to Ray Tanner and the people at South Carolina with an all-world staff that he has laid out that he knows he can implement, sure, I don't get that one. I guess it would be financially uh, viable in terms of what you're going to have to pay him and maybe his staff, but you know, I I don't I don't get that one. I, I think I think that's how South Carolina answers Clemson in terms of this is our Dabo. Okay, maybe he's not truly a coordinator type. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's not been a head coach, but he's a real energetic guy, a lot of juice, right? And and he's gonna he's gonna get this thing moving from an energy standpoint. I mean, you talk about Gus and that buyout. The Rolling Stones bus (laughs) tour bus is cheaper than the Gus bus to get that one rolling. (laughs) Well, uh, and and Trav, I'm telling you, if I was South Carolina, look. And, and, and unless he's bringing Bob Stoops with him from the state of Oklahoma, uh, listen, I, I would, Trav, I would hire a Will Healy from Charlotte or a Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina yeah. way before I made that move, wouldn't you? Unless uh, Frank Beamer's coming as a special yeah. teams coach. Because yeah. then I know I'm going to block some punts. <laughs> then I know I'm going to block some punts with Papa Frank. Papa Frank's yeah. going to get some punts blocked if he's coaching those specials. 
there in Columbia. Hey, Brent, uh, before we let you go here, um, what about uh, the start to this SEC basketball season? Obviously, it's been non-conference oriented, as we saw last night. Not a great night for the Alabama oh. men's team in Asheville, uh, which gets UNLV uh, later this evening in consolation action over there in North Carolina. Um, I guess about what you would expect. There's been, I mean, the problem has been for teams like Tennessee, just getting off the ground, obviously because of COVID, um, you know, Auburn dropped a game to Gonzaga. You expected that Kentucky losing at home on Sunday to a veteran Richmond team, a surprise in some ways, maybe not in others. Uh, I guess with Alabama, uh, what was your thoughts on that performance last night? Uh, uh, well, it was putrid, to be honest with you. I mean, they never got anything going. But I think to dovetail what you said with the Kentucky situation, they're, they're playing a Stanford team with four starters and one of the better freshmen uh, in the country. But Zaire still, Williams, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But, 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 Trav, at the same time, uh, and, and as you mentioned in, in some tweets, uh, just no identity offensively at all, uh, just way too content and shooting even way beyond their range and and just falling in love with the three, which the first two games they have shot horribly uh, at this point. Uh, absolutely no defense uh, to back it up uh, either. Now, look, they're a lot better than they played last night, and hopefully they can find themselves – uh, against UNLV and the game they play tomorrow, I think they've got three there. Uh, but uh, and and I think they'll be much better as the season goes along. John Petty still um, kind of get. I mean, he'll he'll have a minute or two to where he get, he goes off a little bit, but then after that, uh, just frankly disappears. Uh, but, it, but I think it was a wake up call uh, for this team. And gosh, if they'd have won, they'd be playing North Carolina. Uh, today at three o'clock central time, which would be a real wake up call uh, on that. But look, the the point you made is also, I mean, we're, as you know, an hour away from Florida and Trav, they're still trying to get game one in. Uh, yeah. and hopefully they can do that by the weekend. Yeah. Alabama one way or the other needs to get out of Asheville with two wins. And yeah. I, that, that I was the case. That was the case regardless. Even if they had won last night and they lose to North Carolina today, they need to win that final game uh they need to win these next two and you know, i've kind of looked at the priest the, the non-conference other than the sec big 12 challenge which is of course in later january uh in terms of getting to sec play i looked at this alabama team as probably a two-loss team mm-hmm. and uh you know i would say still with clemson on a neutral four in atlanta scheduled still and then a good houston team coming in yeah. here yeah. next uh month or i guess it's is it this month yeah i guess so um that's uh that's going to be a, a tall challenge as well but you know i think we learned last night that this is still a team trying to find itself so even opponents like Furman and etsu coming in here uh you know not going to be able to take some of the better southern conference teams for granted i don't think as it no. ramps up for sec play well and try the problem is that the Furmans are the teams they've had trouble with over the last handful of years because those teams are veteran teams. They play together. They know their system well, and they stick to that system, uh, and and they wear you out by the end of the game, or at least they're in a position where they can take a winning shot, right? So the those are teams you really got to be careful about. Absolutely. Well, Brent, as always, great stuff with us here on Southern Fried Sports. Always appreciate the time. I hope you had a great holiday by the way, with Thanksgiving uh, and and all that comes with that. So uh, with that, we look forward to next week when we're going to have on-campus SEC football games for the weekend of the 12th to preview. I've never said that before to you, I don't think. Uh, No, no. And and as Brother Brent has uh, said many times, that that weather in the state of Alabama and surrounding states – in December is an absolute crapshoot this time of year, right, bud? Well, imagine Fayetteville uh, yeah. the weekend at what oh, it could really? be. I mean, oh, it, yeah. you could have Alabama in a regular season snow game for all we yeah. know at that point. Hey, uh, Brent, thanks again, my friend. We'll do it again soon. Uh, absolutely, pal. Take care. There he goes, Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. If you haven't already, give Brent a follow on Twitter at Brent Beard. B-E-A-I-R-D. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right now. Um.
You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Drummer for the Doors turned 76 years old. Happy birthday, JD. Initials I think we can all get on board with, especially when we're talking about whiskey bars and the Alabama song right there. Yeah. A lot more to get into on this Tuesday edition of the program. If you'd like to check in with us, 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Thanks again to Brent Beard. Always enjoy hearing from Brent. We went through some coaching scenarios for you. Brent threw Gus out there, you know, and I tend to lean heavily towards that one not happening or that one not undergoing change on the planes. But what Brent alluded to, a scenario of a loss this weekend to Texas A&M at home, and then more crushing would be a, a loss at Mississippi State the following week. And really, when you think about it, Auburn's going to get Mississippi State perhaps at the worst time. And that's saying that understanding Mississippi State from a roster perspective is down to skin and bones. But for whatever reason, maybe it's the advancement of Will Rogers at the quarterback position and some other young skill players. Mississippi State's playing its best football post LSU in the opener right now. Hung in there was game against. Ole Miss last Saturday night in the Egg Bowl on the road. Played well on the road at Georgia the previous week, so we'll see. I think Mississippi State's actually off this week, too. So Mississippi State gets an off week, and then uh, and then it's time for Auburn. So uh, we'll see. I still think, man, 20-plus million. And as I said yesterday when Johnny asked me about it, checking in from down there in South Florida, if Gus can maintain this every-other-year thing, and Iron Bowl's at home, he's going to be there as long as he wants. So the Iron Bowl win a year ago gets him the next year plus. That gets him into 2021. If he wins next year with a good, that's going to be a good Auburn team. On paper right now, it looks like it's going to be. Uh, You know, he's entrenched. He's solid. Mississippi State in two Saturdays might be more hazardous to his occupational status than anything else between now and Alabama next year on the Plains. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. You know, I do this thing. I do this little thing on BamaOnline.com. Been doing it since 2003. It's top 12 titers, and it'll be coming out. this, This week's edition will be coming out this afternoon. And we go through, and we try to, we give you our top 12 Alabama players at the moment uh, on the current team. And after the old Miss game, 
it had reached a point defensively where I think I had it might have been it was it was two for sure. I know I had Josh Job and Patrick Sertan. The two corners were on the top twelve tighters after Ole Miss after that performance in Oxford defensively, and then Malachi Moore started to roll in there. So I essentially had the three man crew of the two corners and the star defensive back among the top 12 tighters. Well, we're starting to inch up there on the defensive side of the ball on that list. Adding a couple more here in the last few weeks, Christian Harris now has surfaced Christian Harris, a semifinalist. We learned for the Buckus award, which annually goes to the top linebacker in all college football. Under Nick Saban, you had Rolando McClain, C.J. Mosley, Reuben Foster, Harris, as much as anything, probably positioning himself more for next year. Uh, but he has taken over now as the team leader in tackles from Dylan Moses. He had eight more against Auburn. A couple of quarterback hurries. Had a near interception there where it hit him in the bad spot if you're a linebacker. Ended up with a pass breakup. He's a five-time UA Defensive Player of the Week this year. And now I'm adding, talk about the Baton Rouge area and how it's going to be represented by the Alabama linebacking core, if nothing else. you know, Three of your four base linebackers for Alabama call that area sort of home anyway. Dylan Moses, Christian Harris, and now Christopher Allen I'm adding to the top 12 Tighters. You know, Christopher Allen's been consistent. He's not a guy that started a lot of games because Alabama is in its nickel package so much that Will Anderson, because he is the Jack linebacker, is the starter in the nickel to go along with three defensive linemen. But Allen, like Harris, he's a five-time defensive player of the week, according to the UA coaching staff. And he has recorded a tackle for loss. This is a pretty good streak here. Christopher Allen has recorded a tackle for loss in seven straight games and a sack in three in a row. That's the current streaks for Christopher Allen. You like those from your outside linebackers when it comes to tackles for loss and also sacks. Hey, did you see Sarah Fuller moments ago? I guess uh, Vanderbilt released its depth chart for its matchup with Georgia this Saturday. And Sarah Fuller is the only kicker listed on the depth chart still for Vandy. So not sure if Andy's going to get some specialists back from COVID-19. There has also been talk, according to the Tennessean there in Nashville, that last year's Vanderbilt kicker could rejoin the team this week. And the issue he's had he had to opt out because he started medical school. This guy's in medical school. He still has a year of eligibility remaining. But there's talk that if they can get him through NCAA approval uh, and also get him COVID certified, uh, that you know she could have some competition to kick against the George Bulldogs on Saturday. And as we've said, we're, we're happy for Sarah Fuller. Why wouldn't we be? It was a positive moment. I mean, you must be a miserable SOB if you got a problem with Sarah Fuller doing what she did last Saturday. Is Sarah Fuller uh, Vinatieri? You know, is she a you know is she a, a kicker? No, she's a soccer player who, at the request of her football coach of her university, stepped in and did the best she could in the position she was asked to perform. That's all it is. I don't know how that isn't a positive, but maybe we'll see her again this week against Georgia. And with that, I'm sure we'll get more of the outstanding analyst work from the couch jockeys that suddenly know so much about kicking. That's been great to sort of come to light, hasn't it? All these folks that really know kicking, including some whose personal conduct in the presence of women in the past has been absolutely abhorrent. So to those folks, where it comes to Sarah Fuller and projecting negativity her way, you especially might want to sit this one out. We'll be back with more of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. 
A bright sunny afternoon, the high today at 49. Cold again tonight, clear with a low at 27. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high at 59. Then for Thursday, becoming mostly cloudy, a chance of some scattered light rain during the day, the high 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Destroys the night. Night divides the day. We're going to break on through into a final segment of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Let's head to the Peter Brook Chocolatier studio line right now at 205-342-9904, where we have our pal Tom on hold. Tom, how you doing on this Tuesday? I'm good, Travis. Uh, enjoying the show. But uh, I got to take a little issue with your just your recent comment, if you don't mind. Uh, I think that's a little bit over now. Everybody's got an opinion, and it is talk radio, so... I don't think people. I'm fine with everybody having an opinion. I'm also fine with everybody having a little self-awareness too. You know, how about having a little respect? You know, we, we've heard so much of late about my freedoms, you know, my rights. Well, it seems like there's a lot of folks out there, Tom, they're all about their freedoms and their rights until it becomes about somebody else's freedoms and some rights. And that's not even a political statement because I see and hear it on both sides on a constant basis. But, you know, maybe exercise a little self-awareness in a situation I, I like got this. You. I got you. I just, um, I mean, how, how, how un, unself-aware can some folks be? And, and well, a lot of it's because of, of enablement, you know, it, it's, it's, it's how we continue to present folks you know, without any regard for anything that's happened. But that's fine. But that's my opinion, Tom. And I you're right. You. I everybody, you. I just... everybody can have an opinion. You disagree with that? I'm good with that. Well, I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, uh, I just, uh, I was concerned, Travis, that you may be going after somebody on a different subject that I didn't think was fair to attack them that particular person on. I, I think and, I think there are plenty of people that that applies to. That's my point. I there got are plenty you. of people out there that that I'm not. It, it, hey, if the shoe fits, maybe it fits. But I got you, Travis. The, the point, the point really you. is, Tom. <laughs> the point really is, Tom. There's more than one or two people out there that have that point of view when they probably live in glass skyscrapers. Forget about glass houses glass skyscrapers so like i said have some self-awareness know when to interject yourself and know when to sit out that, I that's, get you. that's that's a simple rule in life i thought i got you i simple got you. standard I just, to follow i was just a little concerned i thought that was a little over but well, i don't think there's i don't think there's any reason for concern it is okay. what it is like you said everybody can have an opinion this is mine. You're right. You're you got right. yours. You're right. And you're and look and look, Tom. You're welcome to share your opinion with me anytime you want. Well, but I'm I just I just part I of my job. Part of my job is to sort of point out some discrepancies and maybe some hypocrisy from time to time. And you know that that's that that that's that's been my biggest problem with all this with Sarah Fuller. Everybody wants their own individual rights and freedoms, but she shouldn't be able to do this or she shouldn't be able to do that. And more often than not, Tom, the bros that are talking that probably don't have daughters in their lives 
You know, they don't have daughters like I do, Tom, who they've told you can be anything you want to be in this world. And they have an older brother, too, who I've told that to. But then you come back and say, well, you can be almost anything you want to be. Your brother can be anything he wants to be. But you, eh, not quite. Nah, that's not how it works for me, Tom. But, again, to each his or her own. I got you, Trout. I love you, buddy. Take All care. Right, thanks, Tom. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah. I mean, you're welcome to have any opinion you want. But, uh, you know, if it's a little bit like, what? You can expect it to get called out, too. 205, speaking of opinions, if you've got one, 205-342-9904, you can check in with yours as well right here on the program. As always, appreciate Jacob Harrison producing the show. Jacob, are we going to have Pittsburgh Steelers football tomorrow or what? I guess so. I mean, I don't. <laughs> that didn't sound I, particularly encouraging, Jake. Well, I mean, it should be played tonight. Uh, I understand where the Ravens are coming from, wanting the extra day to get prepared because uh, they haven't practiced since before the Titans game. Uh, but, I mean, at what point is the NFL going to stop bending over backwards for for Baltimore? And And I keep seeing – you know, reporters and, and beat writers saying, well, the NFL is not playing favorites. It's just a completely different situation. I don't care. We're playing football on a freaking Wednesday, and the Steelers now have their schedule completely jacked up by another team unable to figure out how to wear a damn mask. I'm, <laughs> I'm frustrated by the whole thing. Yeah. It's just, again, it's surreal. It's the word we've used over and over and over in 2020. Another word we've used a good bit during this year is heat, as in heat pizza bar. And for the Tuesday lunch whistle, we're going to tell you about heat pizza bar once again. It is a Thai chicken pizza Tuesday at heat pizza bar. That means starting at six o'clock, you're going to get Thai chicken pizzas for just seven bucks at heat pizza bar. Can't beat that. Great folks there at heat. They're going to take great care of you. Great full bar. They've got the craft cocktail menu that you're going to find something you like on. And it's just, uh, it's outstanding from start to finish. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. That's going to do it for a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks again to Jacob for producing the show. Thanks to Brent Beard for joining us. And until 11 a.m. on Wednesday, have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. I found it